You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Now, the good news is we are seeing it become more available. And, and you know, we've, we've seen Google start to offer it. We've seen Amazon offer it, AWS, um, the use of pass keys for authentication. So, you know, I, I think we're heading in the right direction. Hello, everyone, and welcome to N2K CyberWire's Hacking Humans podcast, where each week we look behind the social engineering scams, the phishing schemes, and criminal exploits that are making headlines and taking a heavy toll on organizations around the world. I'm Dave Bittner, and joining me is Joe Kerrigan from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Hey, Joe. Hi, Dave. we got some good stories to share this week. And later in the show, Mike Kosak, Senior Principal Intelligence Analyst at LastPass, is talking about password managers and securing your identity online. But first, a word from our sponsors at Know Before. We're not talking conspiracy theory when we say it's all connected. When it comes to InfoSec tools, effective integrations can make or break your security stack. Though not as common, the same should be true for security awareness training. Not only does Know Before deliver the world's largest library of security awareness training, but they also provide a way to integrate the various elements of your existing security stack to help you strengthen your organization's security culture. Stay with us, and in a few minutes, we'll hear from our sponsors at Know Before about how you can integrate security awareness with your tech stack like never before. All right, Joe, before we dig in here, uh, just a little quick follow-up. What do you got for us? So I was wondering if any of our listeners who are trying to get into the cybersecurity industry would be interested in a free entry-level cybersecurity exam certification and the accompanying training for it. Hmm. So the ISC squared, the ISC2, is uh, offering a, uh, they have a new certification called the Certified in Cybersecurity, the CC. Okay. So these are the people that do the CISSP and all the other more experienced certifications, but this is their new, I don't want to say competitor, but kind of counterpart to Security Plus. Okay. And they are trying to get 1 million people to get this certification, Hmm. and they are offering it free. Uh, They're giving you a free training course and a free exam voucher. They only give you one exam voucher, so you got to pass in the first try. (laughs) Okay. But... um, I saw this and said, "Hey, I like free stuff." <laughs> okay, <laughs> even sure. though I'm not a uh, not a uh, an entry level person in this industry, I I took the test and and went through the training all okay. the way through the training. Yeah, pretty good training. Okay, good. It's pretty good, uh, and I passed the test. So now I am Phew. certified. <laughs> 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 I was worried. That's right. Uh, certified in cybersecurity. <laughs> um, the the training is is well done. I'll say this is well put together, mm. and uh, I enjoyed the experience, and the test was uh, yeah, the test voucher worked just fine. So I've gone through this process. I recommend anybody who wants to go into this uh, field who is looking for something here is something that costs you absolutely nothing. Yeah, uh, and can get you certified. Now this is not um, recognized by like the Department of Defense here in the U.S. like the Security Plus is. Right. At least not yet. It may be down the road. Okay. I would I would be unsurprised to see that happen. 
And the other thing I like about these sorts of things, and, and even better when they're free, is that it's a nice way to see if this sort of thing actually is for you. Right. You know, have, going through this process right. gives you a good sense of what you're in for. Uh, I, I will say this. After you're done and you pass the exam and you become a member, there is a, like a $50 a year membership fee. Okay. That you'll have to pay when you when you pass the test. Oh, okay. So it's... Or they well, like hold your certificate say a hostage or something for 50 bucks? I, I think so, yeah. <laughs> something like that. Okay. All right. So nothing is actually free in this world, right, Joe. Right, right. They're making you a member <laughs> That's and, right. and paying 50 bucks a year. But, I mean, the certification is, is... I mean, getting the certification, going through all that process is completely risk-free for the... Uh, for anybody that wants to take it. Yeah, sounds like a good value. I would say so, yes. (laughs) All right. All right, very good. Uh, We'll have a link to that in the show notes. Yes, we will. Uh, Joe, we wanted to kick things off for us here. What's your story? So, I my story comes from the Washington Post. Mm. And it's actually a follow-up to one of our stories from last week. Okay. Um, It's a follow-up to Maria's story about uh, Charlotte Coles from the magazine in New York, the fashion magazine. Right. You know, the one I I never read. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But just looking at you, Joe, I can tell right. that you never read that magazine. <laughs> You're always wearing the same quarter zip in the winter, Joe. It's and, and the thing is, I actually have a closet full of them, Dave. I said, I like this. I'm going to buy 10 of them. There you go. <laughs> uh, so last year, consumers reported losing more than $10 billion in fraud, mm-hmm. which is a big increase. And the FTC uh, said some of the largest losses came due to investment scams and another $2.7 billion dollars of losses came to imposter scams like the one that uh, that Coles fell for, that Charlotte Coles fell for. Huh. So this article is from Michelle Singletary, uh, and she points out in this article that natural-born natural born skeptics, natural-born is kind of hard to say, <laughs> natural-born skeptics might shake their heads uh, and, and view someone who falls for one of these scams, especially like a scam where you lose $50,000, yeah. like Charlotte did. And be like, how could you do that? I mean, it's, I and I understand that reaction. It's a natural reaction. Mm-hmm. But you've got to understand how these things work. And one of the key things that Singletary is talking about here is she had to stifle her own self-righteousness after reading uh, Charlotte's article because she reminded herself of how she got scammed 23 years ago. Hmm. So what happened to uh, Michelle Singletary was she was going to the gym to, uh, I think, do some kind of aerobics. Okay. Right? She puts her purse, leaves her purse in the car. And then uh, while she's in the gym, the gym gets a phone call and they're paging her hmm. by name. So she goes to the front desk and, and she, says, uh, she gets the uh, answers of the phone and the guy identifies himself as the manager of her bank, of a branch of her bank. And he says, are you missing your purse? And she goes, I don't know. So she runs out to her car. Her window is broken. Her purse is gone. Wow. Right? So she goes back in and she goes, as a matter of fact, I am missing your purse. And this guy on the phone says, well, we caught the guy who stole your purse when he came to the bank and he tried to use your ATM card to get money out. Okay. So we have him here. Uh, just to make sure, how much money did you have in your wallet before you were gone? Before before this was uh, before your purse was stolen. And he yeah. says, I, she says, I had X number of dollars, and they're like, well, that money is no longer in here. Mm. Uh, what else was in your purse? And she starts listing off items. Now she's this guy sounds very professional. He says one of the things that tipped us off was the broken glass in the purse. Um, 
just for verification, can I get the PIN number on your on your uh, ATM card? And she is already in the loop with this guy. Mm-hmm. Needless to say, all of our listeners know the guy calling her is the same guy that broke the window. Wow. Right? He watched her go into the gym, smash the window, mm-hmm. and then came outside. All I had to do was look up the phone number and know the phone number of the gym. He got all, he got all of her personal identifiable information. Oh, right. He's got her driver's license. Her driver's license, yeah. her wallet, her credit card. Uh, knows what bank he's supposed to impersonate. Very simple scam. Right. Right? Not as complex as the one that affected Charlotte Cowles or Coles. I'm sorry I'm butchering your last name, but not as, <laughs> not as complex as the one that affected Charlotte where they kept her on the phone for five hours. Yeah. This guy was probably only on the phone with her for like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then he runs and he gets, he immediately withdraws $500 out of the, um, out of the bank account and gets an extra 500 bucks out of her. Right. And at no point did it strike her that it was odd that her bank knew to call her at the gym. Never occurred to her that that was odd. Right? Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I, how did they know that she was at the gym? That, that is, a, that should have been a red flag, right? Yeah. How do you know I'm here? But I could see you easily letting that go right. upon the person on the other end of the line telling you yeah, I'm from your that bank. you're from the bank and they're, and we're here to help. Right, yeah. <laughs> right? Right. So Michelle Singletary's big thing here is uh, that she shared her story back in 2001 and received similar uh, feedback from what Charlotte Cowles is saying, is yeah. getting, right? Like, yeah. how could you be so silly to fall for this? Right. Um, and she ha- says a couple of good sentences towards the end of this article. We silence victims by shaming them. We need more people willing to come forward to help combat this epidemic of financial crimes. But they won't talk about how they fell for the fraud if we keep being judge- if we are judgmental. Yeah. Uh, every story serves as a cautionary tale to others, which is something you and I have been saying on this show for a long time. Mm-hmm. So uh, Michelle Singletary is 100% correct here. And that the last line of this article is, you should put away your smugness because there are swindles out there that are going to work on you. Yeah. Put away your smugness is the title of this, which I really think is a great, great title for this this uh, headline for this article. It is. Uh, it's kind of an opinion piece, and I don't, you know, like I say, I don't like reading opinion pieces, but I guess when they agree with my opinions, Dave, <laughs> I sure like reading them. That's right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just earlier today, I was saying, I was chatting with somebody um, over on Mastodon about how um, one of the things that I like least about the online uh, cybersecurity community is that there is a small subset of folks who have this sense of smug superiority. Yeah. Yeah, there is. And I just can't stand it. It just no. it make, it just it's makes me angry. Right. And it's it, counterproductive. And, it's, and, it, and, and it's, so, it's become a stereotype. Yeah. Uh, you know, remember, um, I don't know if you remember the bits on uh, Saturday Night Live yeah, I was with just Jimmy thinking Kimmel. About those, the, he was the, <laughs> your, the, uh, the, the IT guy who right. come at people move. and say, move. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's exactly what I'm thinking of. <laughs> yep. Right. Right. But it's this idea that, you know, you're not a victim, you're an idiot. Right. And, oh, God. There's a reason believe- that SNL skit was hilarious. Right. Right. It's because it's true. Yeah. It's, it's. I mean, you might argue that it's stereotypical, that not all the uh, cybersecurity practitioners are like that. I certainly try not to be. Um, yeah. But enough of them are. But enough of them are. <laughs> that we got the joke. <laughs> that we got the joke. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I do feel like it's changing. I feel as though 
with the continued professionalism that is coming to cybersecurity, where it's, right. it's no longer that uh, you know, that superhero person who is a national treasure who you know has been doing this since they were a teenager and they had a you know like wrestlers and rappers they have a code name right uh you know um <laughs> that has lots of sevens and plus right, signs in it. yeah space wizard or something <laughs> um but that because we're falling out of that era and we're falling into the era where it's just a traditional job you're coming up through right. you're getting trained you know either a, a trade school or college or whatever and businesses just aren't going to go with that anymore. Yeah. You can't act that way towards no, your, your you coworkers. So. Yeah, I mean, you, if you think about the plumber, you know, the plumber, plumber that comes to your house. Right. When, you, when you've got a clog down there. Um, you know, I know plumbers that work in commercial business. Yeah. But when they come into residential, they are like that. They're like, why? Why did you put the grease down the, down the sink right. like this? <laughs> right. Why did right. you do that? But right. They, right. But the, the residential plumbers are like, oh, it's okay. I'll take care of it. Yeah. Because they know. That'll be three hundred dollars, right? <laughs> right, right, and yeah. What is? I mean, yeah. Anyway, I, I could talk. About, I could complain about this all day, and it, it is something that uh, just gets under my skin yeah, because I, I think I'm it's, with you on that. 100%. It's unnecessary, and uh, it's a shame, and it's not helpful. But we've There's we've no got reason. to realize that the reason we do this is to protect the people doing their business or doing going about their lives. Yeah, and it doesn't serve anybody either in the industry or out of it to ridicule those people when they when they are victimized by a scammer. Right. Right. They they've gone through enough. Yeah, absolutely. That's <laughs> that's one ringer. Don't put them through another one. Right. Right. Absolutely. All right, interesting stuff. Well, uh my story this week uh is actually about uh Costco. Uh Joe, do you have a Costco membership? I do, Dave. Okay. They let me wear my sunglasses when I took my picture for the back of the card. That's adorable, it Joe. Is. <laughs> Big cheesy so, smile. There you go. The only picture on any ID card I'm actually smiling for. Okay. I'm not smiling at my driver's license, Dave. Okay. <laughs> but so, that's because I'm at the MVA. So for folks who uh, may not be familiar, Costco is certainly, I don't know, they may be the largest membership club in, in the U.S., certainly one of them. There's yes. Costco, there's BJ's, there's, are there any other ones? I can't uh, remember. Sam's Club. Sam's Club. There you go. Right. That's right. the one that's run by the uh, Walton family. It's Walmart. Right, right, right. So Think these are one it. of those... Big warehouse stores where you pay an, an annual membership fee and then you go in and you can buy a six-pack of lawn tractors. Right. Right. And, Dave, <laughs> you can get a foot-long hot dog and a Pepsi for $1.50. There you go. Awesome. It's a great great country or what? Yes. Yeah. So, um, this is an article pointing out that there is a Costco membership email scam mm. that is targeting members' credit card information. This is, And evidently, this is a highly effective phishing scam. Really? Uh, so what happens is you get an email that's pretends to be from Costco, uh, very well formatted, very well worded. There, there really aren't any red flags about this. And they are claiming that your Costco membership has expired. Hmm. And then they urge you to sign up for a free 90-day membership extension. Ah, see, that'd be the first red flag for me. Yeah. Because I know that's not, part of Costco's business model is, is the membership fee. Right. Right. They're not giving away that membership for free. Yeah. So when you go for this free extension, they want you to edit your or uh, enter your credit card information and all of your personal information. Right. So that's the that's, that's the scam. scam. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the article goes on and, and talks about how legit it looks. Uh, they've got some advice from the Better Business Bureau. 
uh, who say you should contact Costco directly mm-hmm. or visit the official website to, to check for membership changes. In other words, don't click on any links that are in an email that you get from someone who claims to be Costco. Failing that, you can walk into the member service center. There you go. <laughs> I wonder how many people get this scam who aren't actually Costco members at all. That's an excellent question. Probably a lot. Yeah. I mean, uh, it sounds like it's just a you know one of those broad net phishing scams. Yeah. That they send out a million of them, and if uh, if a hundred thousand of those people are Costco members, it's going to catch their eye. Right. So here's the thing about this, Joe. I, I saw this story and I thought, oh, this would be nice for hacking humans. But I thought there's, there's not too much here, so I'm going to have to go hunt down a second story to to flesh out, you know, my part of the show today. Right. So, but as I was researching this and I was on Costco's website. What I discovered is they have an entire page on their website that's dedicated to currently known scams. Huh. This is amazing. This, that, <laughs> um, hold on. Let me check this out. So this has fraudulent websites, fraudulent cart notification, fraudulent autumn giveaway email, fraudulent Facebook offer, fraudulent survey text, fraudulent satisfaction survey. It goes, it, the list goes on and on. Free television, exclusive giveaway, USPS scam, letter survey, like... And they have screen grabs from all of them. Amazing. Right? Am, right? Yes. <laughs> Why isn't everyone doing this? I don't know. <laughs> so I was so pleasantly surprised that, because it seems to me like many retailers pretend like this isn't happening. Right. Like by, somehow by acknowledging it, Somehow it's going to hurt their reputation or, I, I don't yeah. know, somehow align them with the bad yeah, guys. There are or, bad guys out there impersonating us. Let's pretend they don't exist. Right, right. Right. We'll just stick our fingers in our ears and whistle and walk away. Yes. So to see Costco getting in front of this. Right. And show, this as you look, scroll down, it's just screen grabs of all the different stuff that people have sent them. Fake interview confirmation. Right. This is wonderful. Loyalty rewards, uh, overcharge reimbursement text messages, surveys with exclusive offers. Like I said, a free television. <laughs> Just uh, interviews. You know, like if you they're they're yeah. uh, if you want a job at Costco, there are fake interview scams, of course. Uh, and they're all right here for the the looking. I, I, Joe, we could do an entire year's worth of catch of the days, right? Just from everything that's listed here on the Costco website. So. Uh, we're going to have a link to this in the show notes. Uh, I recommend folks go through, look through it. You know, this would be a great thing to send to your friends and family because of the wide spectrum of scams that are all listed here. Yeah. You know, and they, they've they got the bad things pointed out about them. Um, this is really a nice resource for— I have never been more proud to have a membership at a store than I am right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> This is this is very well done. This is excellent. And like you said, Dave, all these other retailers like Walmart and Target and whoever else. Yeah. They they do they it, it, you're right. It's as if they think that by saying, "Hey, we're targets a scam." They're going to scare business away, but Costco's like, "Hey, look. Doesn't matter who you are. People are going to impersonate you. There are right. bad people out there trying to do that." Right. Pay attention to what we have to say here about <laughs> what these fake things look like. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this looks like a genuine customer education campaign. Right. 
I would say, Joe, that, uh, you know, maybe Costco could send us a free coupon for a free hot dog or something. That'd be nice. How would we know it's not a scam? (laughs) Right. How do we know it's not a scam? (laughs) Right. Exactly. Maybe next time I walk in, they go, oh, Joe, come come with me. Right. I'm I'm uh, I'm just picturing you... You know, striding up to the hot dog stand with your coupon for the free, for the free <laughs> right. hot dog. Very happy, pleased with yourself, and them say, "Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Kerrigan. Uh, this is a scam. This is a scam." But I paid a hundred dollars for this. <laughs> what? I'm supposed to get free hot dogs for life, right? Exactly. I gave them all my credit card information. <laughs> oh my! All right. Well, that's what I have. Like I for said, it us. could happen to the best of us. <laughs> it happens to everybody, and that would be right. something that would work on me. What would it take for Joe to get scammed? <laughs> right. A free hot dog. That's free about it. <laughs> free hot, I'm going to tell a you a story. Hot dog. I'm going to tell you an honest, true story, Dave. <laughs> okay. When I was a kid, I was watching TV, and there was this, this car lot, like used car thing. Yeah. Right? And sure. he's like, hey, kids, Tell your parents to come on down. We got free hot dogs at this place. And I'm like, hey, dad. (laughs) My dad's like, what are you kidding me? For a free hot dog, I'm going to go sit and listen to a used car salesman. Right. (laughs) Load the family in the car. Right. Go down to the... To the car dealer. So, Uh, well, you know... This is a lure that has already worked on me at least once. I see. So, (laughs) you... You're self-aware at least. Yes. So, that's good. Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, that's my story. We will have a link to uh, that original uh, Costco membership email scam, and then also the page with all of their currently currently known scams. Uh, and of course, we would love to hear from you. If there's something you'd like us to consider for the show, you can email us. It's hackinghumans at n2k.com. Joe, it's time to move on to our catch of the day. Dave, our catch of the day comes from Price. He says, as much as I want to download and click all the links, I'll leave this one alone to the experts. Mm. <laughs> so it's it's one of those Norton uh, LifeLock invoices. Yeah. But it's got a lot of red flags. <laughs> okay, it sure does. <laughs> it starts off and it says, we have received the request of Norton payment as you have made is successful. Okay. Right. One sentence, Joe. That's right. First of all, Norton is capital N-O-R, capital T-O-N. Right. Norton. Norton. <laughs> not kilograms. Right. Not ounces. Not tons. Nortons. Right. Yeah. Uh, as you have made is successful. All right. That's, <laughs> I, I, Did they misspell successful? I'm a terrible speller. This so is an a, image, so I can't tell. Should successful have two L's? I don't at the think end? it does. I think I it only has one L. Yeah. Okay. I don't even know if it has two S's and two C's, but I think it does have two C's. I think it does. Yeah, but I, don't, I think there's only supposed to be one L on the end. In there. fact, I'm going to go ahead and say I know this is not the case because the anecdote I've always heard is that bookkeeper is the only word in the English language with three double letters, or maybe it's three consecutive double letters. Huh. Okay. Uh, it goes on. It says, you do not need to take any action. We just wanted to let you know. Awful nice of them. <laughs> that it says, summary, has an order ID, product name, Total AV Ultimate Antivirus. Uh, payment method. So, <laughs> method. method. Like a cathode. Meth- right, exactly. Your method. <laughs> you, you, you got your cathode ray. You got your method ray. <laughs> and your anode ray. Your anode ray, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it says auto and debit total $566.69 US dollars. Nice. Right. Order status 
Confirmed. Confirmed. Good to know. Your recent payment will done within 24 hours on February 20th, 2024. The amount will take 24 hours to appear in your bank statements. So, worth noting that this says don't bother looking at your bank sta- statement because if it they're 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 preloading you to right. think that if you don't see it there that's normal. Right. This is uh, it says contact uh, contact us if you want to modify or cancel your plan. Mm-hmm. That part has perfect English. By the it way. does. And uh, then there's and a phone number. There's a phone number that's oddly spaced with lots of parentheses, so it makes it through your spam filter. Right. Well, and because most of the time, you put, if you're going to put brackets around, or I guess per, they're parens, if you're going to put right. parentheses around any part of a phone number, it's the area code. Correct. Although even that is kind of fallen out of publishing style, I would say. Yeah, I just see it now with dashes. Yeah, but they're, so they have parens against around everything or each cluster of numbers, yep. no dashes, and they are oddly set apart with a ridiculous number of spaces between them. Indeed. Yeah. And that is so that it does not look like a phone number to the spam filter. I see. That's why that is. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that a good sh- one. Short and sweet, but yep. fun and... So chock full of grammatical errors. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, Price, for sending that in. We do appreciate it. And once again, if there's something you want us to consider, do email us. Back to the concept of integrations. Nobefore's Security Coach uses standard APIs to quickly and easily integrate with your existing security products from vendors like Microsoft, CrowdStrike, Cisco, and dozens of others. Security Coach analyzes alerts your security stack generates to identify events related to any risky security behavior from your users. With this information, you can set up real-time coaching campaigns to target risky users based on those events from your network, endpoint, identity, or web security vendors. These campaigns enable you to coach your users at the moment the risky behavior occurs, with contextual security tips delivered via Microsoft Teams, Slack, or email. With 35 integrations and counting, Security Coach delivers the insight you need to improve your organization's security culture. Learn more about Security Coach at knowbefore.com slash security coach. That's knowbefore.com slash security coach. Joe, I recently had the pleasure of speaking with Mike Kosak. He is a senior principal intelligence analyst at LastPass. And uh, we're talking about one of our favorite subjects, password managers. All right. We also talk about things like pass keys and mm-hmm. just a general conversation about keeping yourself safe online, your identity safe online. Here's my conversation with Mike Kosak. Pass keys, you know, are, are certainly the, the hot topic we... Um, we're basically, we're at the start of the technology adoption life cycle there, I think. You know, they're, they're becoming more commonplace, but we are still in the early stages. Um, and when we, from a threat intelligence perspective, look at that, and when we kind of want to look at the future and see where things are going, what we expect to see is, is, is the increasing adoption of passkeys as people start to use them more and more. That's going to fundamentally change the cyber threat landscape as, as it really sort of forces threat actors off their game to move away from credential theft and legitimate credentials, which, you know, as you know, have played such a huge role in, in so many breaches. 
and more towards session tokens. That's kind of where we see them going. Start, sort of starting to see this uh, take place now. We're seeing the bow wave of this as session hijacking trends are starting to increase. And, and that's something that we expect to see continue, which, and this is really a reflection of the typical arms race that you see when one thing is, is you know, one, one aspect of security is addressed, um, you know, or, or changes. We see threat actors change their game uh, to try and, and it becomes fundamentally an arms race between cyber defenders and cyber attackers as they try and find the next hole. Well, you mentioned session hijacking. Can we dig into that a little bit? What exactly goes into that and, and why have so many threat actors pivoted to uh, take that approach? Sure. So, you know, anytime you set up a, a, a communication through HTTP, you're assigned a session token. And that sort of identifies you and who you are and what you're talking about and, and that sort of thing, um, you know, to use colloquialisms. So that session token that, that identifies you and who you are becomes a target uh, because oftentimes it can be used to get around authentication and kind of, you know, jump right into an active session and allow a an attacker uh, to pick right up and access where you were and whatever you were doing on whatever site you were on, whatever account you were on. So that's fundamentally it. It allows them to kind of jump the line, jump through authentication and kind of jump right in to, to, your, to your account or, or whatever site you were on. So what we see already is, is you know, info stealers, which have certainly grown in, in use and over the last uh, over the last few years, we see them targeting session tokens now too, and and we see them being sold uh, on the dark web in these info stealer logs. Um, they're being stolen from you know from people's computers and then used and sold on on the dark web so that people can you know people can use them for attacks. And does the adoption of pass keys, does that help protect us against session hijacking? It doesn't necessarily. Um, so it takes, you know, it's, it's one of those things where session hijacking is still a relatively small part of, of uh, you know, of initial attack vector, uh, mm. initial attack vectors. It's, you know, really still that the lion's share is focused on, uh, is focused on legitimate credentials. But this is where we kind of, when we start to look to the future, we, you know, we expect to see that ratio change fundamentally over time. Mm. Um, so, you know, we see it now, we see the early adoption, we see the trend up, um, but there are other steps that companies will, you know, and, and other organizations will probably need to take um, just to kind of check the doors and windows for their own, you know, session security uh, as, as that sort of, as those TTPs, those tactics, techniques, and procedures change. Yeah, you, know, you mentioned that it's still kind of early days when it comes to pass keys. And you know, my experience is there, there's a lot of talk about it and I think some genuine excitement, but the adoption is a little bit slower, which I guess is a natural thing with something that's new like this. Are there any particular barriers that are keeping folks from jumping in with both feet here? Uh, you know, I think a lot of it is is just sort of um, comfort and familiarity. Those are probably probably the two biggest LastPass and and Fido did some some uh, did some research on this and released it later or uh, late last year. Um, and really, that was a lot of a lot of what we found is is sort of the biggest barrier to entry right now, at least among organizations, was familiarity uh, and and comfort with it. Just learning more about it and how to adopt it and how to roll it into their existing tech stack. Um, the interesting thing with this too is you know so that's from from the defensive side. When we look in, in the dark web at some of the conversations that are happening in cyber criminal forums or other chat rooms or, and, and stuff like that, we see threat actors talking about this too. 
And, and exactly to your point, Dave, part of what they're talking about is an expectation that they don't expect to see, particularly individuals adopting passkeys for a while. They expect to see large enterprises sort of driving that adoption, um, but they're sort of relying on people not picking it up. Now, the good news is we are seeing it become more available. And, and you know, we've, we've seen Google start to offer it. We've seen Amazon offer it, AWS, um, the use of passkeys for authentication. So, you know, I, I think we're heading in the right direction. We've seen some shifts from the government responding to some foreign adversaries. So we've, we've seen a lot of uh, uh, coverage of, of this Chinese threat group, Volt Typhoon. Um, and the government has, has taken some additional attention towards uh, securing passwords and credentials. What, what's your thoughts on where we are with that right now? Vault Typhoon in particular is, is just a, a fascinating example. And, and, you know, to your point, we've seen, we've seen some really uh, remarkable steps by the U.S. government. And, you know, for instance, just in the last couple of weeks, the announcement of, of the disruption of the KV botnet. Vault Typhoon is so unique because there is this real emphasis for a nation state threat actor, not just on cyber espionage, which is usually what these are associated with, but really fundamentally with, uh, you know, almost for the express purpose of being able to conduct disruptive or destructive attacks in the event of a geopolitical conflict. You know, we see Volt Typhoon targeting critical infrastructure networks or supporting sectors, um, and it, which is, is just fascinating and, and, and a bit of an outlier for a lot of what you see with nation state activity. Um, they're also associated with these really highly effective use of living off the land techniques that makes them stealthy and efficient. So, you know, we've seen the Five Eyes governments in the last few weeks release this guidance, uh, both in, in uh, alerts and also um, some, some joint guidance uh, documentation. These are coming from the U.S., the U.K., Canada, Australia, and New Zealand jointly providing really comprehensive and useful detection and mitigation strategies to defend against not just Vault Typhoon, but living off the land techniques generally. Um, and for us in particular, one of the things that's, that's most interesting are their recommendations around password and credential management, um, which you know, really highlight a, a lot of the, the basic guidance that you see, but are really important. So you know, in the most recent alert, they, they mentioned not using uh, or using complex passwords, avoiding default passwords whenever possible. This is especially a big issue with operational technology. And they specifically mentioned using credential managers or other means to store credentials securely on your network, um, really highlighting that it's not just a matter of convenience on that sort of credential manager aspect anymore, but really a matter of necessity. What is on the horizon for you and your colleagues there at LastPass? As, as, as we look towards the future of password management and and really managing our credentials in general, where do you suppose we're headed? You know, I, I think passkeys is, is, is where we're headed. It's, it's the way of the future and, and moving more towards unified credential management. So um, making it easy to use passkeys, making it easier than ever to use uh, passwords, and really sort of adopting with the market as it changes. You know, for our listeners, uh, what are your words of wisdom here for ways to not only protect themselves, but, you know, a lot of our folks are, are concerned about their parents, their loved ones, their friends and family, that sort of thing. Uh, any tips uh, for them? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't stress enough the importance of protecting your credentials. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's often, it's, it's far too easy to kind of get into the habit of just reusing passwords or using what's simple. Um, you know, that's, that's really, that's, that's the way 
threat actors are getting in the front door. So the more you can do to protect yourself right there and kind of stop the cyber kill chain at that first aspect, the better off you are. And that, you know, that's not just for individuals, that's for companies, um, you know, really any organization or individual out there. Joe, what do you think? I like that passkeys are going to be implemented. Mm-hmm. I want this to happen faster. Yeah. Uh, I would like passwords to go away. I don't know that's going to happen anytime soon. Uh, and I'll touch more on that in as we get through these comments here. But uh, one of the things that's going to happen is this is going to make the bad actors move to session hijacking. Okay. Uh, because phishing is pretty effective in getting username and password. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're using just username and password with no multi-factor authentication, they've got you. And they're going into your account and uh, that's it. That's all, that, you know, they're going to do whatever they need to do. Yeah. Uh, it depends on whether or not it's a Facebook account, an email account, whatever. They're just going to be uh, abusing that account. So when it comes to session hijacking, particularly on web-based systems, like let's say your social media accounts, like you like Mastodon, right? Yeah. So that's a website you go to. Right. Um, let me explain a little deeper what a session token is. And I'm going to not get too technical, but it's basically a cookie. So there's, in, in a web application, there's two main pieces. There's the web server and the web client. The web server says, here's a cookie. And the web client goes, I'll give this back to you next time, you, next time I send a request. <laughs> and that's what happens. That's all yeah. it is. Okay. There is really no session on a web application. That is all an illusion. And these cookies and these session tokens that are stored within those cookies that are just lines of text, that's all they are. They're the thing that creates the illusion of a session. Okay. So if I can get that cookie from somebody, that session ID, I can then pretend to be that person. Uh, Usually what happens is I'm just going to steal all their cookies, right? Okay. And then set them in my browser appropriately, and then connect to the website again. And the website will think that the user whose cookies I've just stolen has connected from a different IP address. Hmm. Is there typically any encryption or anything with these session tokens? There, the session tokens are encrypted usually when they go across the network. Okay. Right? So when everything is packaged up, packaged up into an HTTPS packet, that is actually going just into an HTTP packet that can then gets encrypted in the TLS layer, right? So while Which, it's in transit, while it's in transit, it's encrypted. It's getting, gets encrypted. But when it's sitting on my computer, it's, it's not. It's not encrypted. And when it's on the website at the other end, it's not encrypted. Okay. So if I can just get into your memory or even just open up the, the browser and just look through what you have there, yeah. it's just text. Right. Just okay. ASCII text. So that's why it's possible to steal these things. Okay. Um, and there are there are software there's software out there called info stealers that do this. I, a couple weeks or months ago, I had a story about uh, a friend of mine who had his Discord uh, taken over, mm. uh, and the reason that worked is because apps like Discord and Slack, there's a, a development environment called Electron, which is really just a uh, a development environment that sits on top of Chromium, which okay. is the browser underneath of Chrome. It's also yeah. the browser underneath of uh, Edge, Opera, and Brave. It's kind of the engine. That... It's the engine, yeah. right. Uh-huh. But that engine manages all these cookies. Okay. So if I can get onto somebody's computer and get into all their Chromium instances, whether that be Discord, Slack, 
Chrome op, Chrome browser, uh, Edge, Brave, whatever. I can steal their info and then impersonate them. Okay. But this is a lot harder to do than uh, just leading someone to a phishing site and collecting their uh, collecting their username and password. I see. The big problem here is that if I'm going to impersonate you, I'm going to impersonate you after you've done your multi-factor authentication. Mm. Uh, there are some technical implementations that can be done here, but I uh, I think that will add friction, a lot of friction. All the ones that come to my mind immediately would add friction for the users. Mm-hmm. Um, I've conceived, I'm, I, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot today, actually, about how would you solve this problem. Mm. Uh, I've got a couple of ideas in my head on how you do it server-side, but suffice to say, it would not be uh, an overnight migration. Okay. Uh, it's interesting to me that uh, over at LastPass, their research shows that these bad actors don't think the average person is going to use pass keys. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if, if, if I agree with that. I think there will be some kind of software solution that comes down the line that makes it easy for the average person to do. Mm-hmm. I also think that might be one of those single points of failure that could be exploited. Mm. I don't know. Uh, but if you are, if you can get out in front of the technical wherewithal to get out in front of this and start using pass keys, do that now. Uh, yeah, like if you, so if you are on the leading edge of the passkey transition, right. does that make you less low-hanging fruit than someone who's not? Correct, it does, I, I for the time does. being. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But when the majority of people are using passkeys, you're going to be at the same level of right. fruit hanging? Is that? <laughs> Hang, hangage. <laughs> yeah, danglage. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, something Mike said in passing is very true. Using some manner of credential management is imperative, especially in operational technology. Mm. Uh, this is the cyber-physical stuff. These are things like uh, critical infrastructure or even if you're not critical infrastructure, like manufacturing. Yeah. All, all of these SCADA systems and and uh, industrial control systems. These are the, all the automated valves and widgets and all the things right. that open and close and right. keep our keep civilization Hurrying along. Yep, absolutely. Right. Right. I, and I am disheartened. I was going to say, I can't believe, but I absolutely can believe this. <laughs> but I'm still disheartened that we have to caution people against using the default password in the operational technology world. Yeah. That's the basic. Um, the, uh, another thing while we're talking about operational technology is this alert that you guys uh, discussed from CISA about Vault Typhoon should be a warning to everyone in the critical infrastructure industry, including the smaller companies. These guys are 100% coming after the smaller companies. Mm -hmm. So they know you don't have the big cybersecurity budgets. So don't think that you're too small that that these guys don't care about you. You are exactly who they care about. Mm. Uh, There are probably people specialized in getting into your systems, uh, and they may be less experienced people on the team. But they are there to get into the 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 smaller contributors in the critical infrastructure world. So do the th- do the things that you can do that are cheap or free. Air gap your operational technology if that's possible. Mm. That that's one of the biggest things you can do. Uh, change the password from the default password. Change your password from the default password. How many times should I have to say this? <laughs> change your password. Uh, use a password manager, and if it's possible, use multi-factor authentication. Yeah. Uh, that's really the best things you can do right off the bat to, to, again, move yourself up that fruit tree so you're not hanging at the bottom of it. There you go. <laughs> that's right. All right. Well, our thanks to Mike Cossack. He is the Senior Principal Intelligence Analyst at LastPass, and we do appreciate him taking the time.
want to thank all of you for listening, and of course, we want to thank our sponsors at Nobefore. They are experts at enabling a fully integrated approach to security awareness training. That is our show. We want to thank all of you for listening. Our thanks to the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute for their participation. You can learn more at isi.jhu.edu. A quick reminder that N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. Our executive producer is Jennifer Iben. This show is edited by Trey Hester. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie. I'm Dave Bittner. And I'm Joe Kerrigan. Thanks for listening. 